Beautiful Texas and beyond. I've got the guns. A little Roger Kreger kicking things off for us on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Cable Smith here with you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. It is an absolute pleasure and an honor to be able to talk hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks every week. So thank you for being here. Whether you are tuned in on the radio or the podcast, I'm really indifferent. I'm just glad you're here. Uh, it is, man, it's it's trying times in our country right now. We're on the heels of a, another deadly mass shooting at a school, for crying out loud. And while my prayers go out to and my heart aches for those families, those students, and that community uh, taking guns away from law-abiding citizens isn't the answer. And it never will be. Uh, that's a pipe dream. Because bad guys are still going to find a way to get those weapons. And you and I will not have them. So, uh, I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I know our country is in turmoil. I know our president is facing, God, he's facing a very very difficult situation as far as the amount of pressure he's feeling from the left. I, I don't know what the answer is, but pray for our leaders, that they can sort this out and come up with a plan to keep our kids safe. With that being said, uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today. There's no doubt about that. So you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos. Maybe you spiked it with granddaddy's cough syrup. Maybe it didn't. You know, whatever your preference. But pour yourself another cup because we are ready to rock and roll. And off the top, we'll be joined by... Dr. Sean Baker, um, if you're unaware of the carnivore diet, you need to know about it because it is changing people's lives. And it sounds totally insane because forever we've been told to eat our vegetables. Hell, my grandfather told me to eat my vegetables. But maybe that is erroneous. Maybe that's not what we should be doing uh, because humans have been killing and eating meat since the dawn of time. And maybe that is the most natural thing we can do. So anyway, Dr. Sean Baker is an authority on the subject. He's been on the carnivore diet for over a year, eating exclusively animal protein. And he'll break that down for us coming up momentarily. And as someone with uh, two freezers essentially full of wild game, very intrigued by it. Uh, so we'll discuss all the details associated with the carnivore diet coming up here in just a little bit and then we'll spend a couple segments with a very special guest joining us in studio all the way from the great state of montana ryan bussey the national chairman of the board for backcountry hunters and anglers will be here and we'll get his take on how president trump and zinke have done so far in regards to protecting our public lands and uh, protecting the interests of hunters and anglers across the board. 
And, and I certainly have issue with what's come out recently as far as the uh, land and water conservation fund and, and and the Trump administration's plan to cut that funding by 90%, which ultimately I believe would inch closer towards putting the uh, LWCF into a, a sunset phase. And uh, I don't think that's a good thing. You know, I love Trump, but uh, we have to talk about it. Uh, someone who loves our public lands more than I love Trump, uh, you know, and, and I do love Trump. Uh, it, it's It's got to be discussed. So we'll get into that here with Ryan in just a little bit as well. Uh, and also Jeff Bynum, longtime friend of our show and member of the Texas chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Uh, he'll be in studio with us as well. So that's what's on the docket for today. Uh, we'll be all over the place. It's going to be good, though. I guarantee you that. A couple other things to mention. Uh, don't forget that our January-February photo of the month contest is going on right now. Grand prize is a pair of Costa sunglasses valued at 250 bucks. So you know what to do. Send in your best hunting or fishing photo to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. Better yet, post it on our Facebook page or you can use the hashtag LSOS Photo Contest, and we will see it on Instagram. And then our 12 monthly winners will square off at the end of 2018 for a chance to, well, it might be six because we're kind of doing bi-monthly now, but our, our winners will square off for a chance to hunt trophy black buck or axis deer with me down at Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. So another great grand prize hunt package from Coons Canyon Ranch. Uh, also, let's see, our winner from last week, as uh, we said we would take all submissions, um, but the winner of the Costa Sunglasses is Ben German of Pampa, Texas. So I will send Ben an email. Uh, the computer drew his number out of everyone that entered. So congrats, Ben. Uh, we've got to give away this week. Let's see here. I've got a Lone Star Beer Camo Cooler. Lone Star Beer Camo Cap and a Lone Star Outdoors Show sticker. Uh, just email Lone Star to, well, <laughs> send it to me, Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. And you could be entered to win this week's giveaway, uh, just like Ben German uh, won the Costa Sunglasses last week. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a break. We've got so much to get into. Coming up next, we will be joined by Dr. Sean Baker. We'll discuss the carnivore diet right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. To the words I say, cause he ain't no count. Anyway, I've been rambling around and led astray by the paths that I've been choosing. Cutting paths like a forest fire, pupils wider, backhoe tires, throwing my money on a funeral pyre, but it sure feels good to be. Hey y'all, Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters, and whether you want to bow hunt hogs or Get after them with thermal imaging and night vision. Under the cover of darkness, 3Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean, just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields. Or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, 3Curl.com to book your next hog hunt. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club. 
an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H is in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. Eat steak, eat steak, eat a big old steer Eat steak, eat steak, do we have one deer? Eat beef, 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 it's a mighty good food It's a great day meal when I'm in the mood come from the near and far When you throw a few ribeyes on the farm Roberta Durant Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Eat steak, a little reverent Horton Heat, bringing us back from break. And uh, we're about to eat some serious steak, some back straps, who knows what else, but we're going to be eating a lot of meat with Dr. Sean Baker, a big-time advocate of the carnivore diet. But before we do that, this segment of the show is brought to you by Rudy's Barbecue, where you can get your carnivore on, no doubt about that. Uh, I love the smoked turkey. They've got brisket, ribs, sausage, you name it. If it's barbecue-related, Rudy's has you covered, uh, including the newest Rudy's in front of the Cabela's in Allen, Texas. Rudy's true Texas-style barbecue. All right, with that being said, let's segue into our next topic of conversation And like I said, this carnivore diet, it's been picking up steam. I've seen lots of folks transitioning into it on social media. And I recently became aware of Dr. Sean Baker via Joe Rogan's podcast. thought it was fascinating as someone who I'd say the majority of my diet is already meat. And this just adds validation to that lifestyle, even more so. And so joining us now to dive into the carnivore lifestyle. It's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Sean Baker to the show. Yeah, Cable, my pleasure. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Um, So first of all, tell us what kind of doctor you are. Uh, Well, I'm I'm actually not practicing at the moment, but I'm trained as an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, So I spent uh, two decades doing, you know, knee replacements, hip replacements, shoulder replacements, sports injuries, uh, trauma surgery. I spent time in the military doing a bunch of trauma surgery over in Afghanistan. So that's that's my background. Mm. Yeah, and and you actually told me off there. You you spent quite a bit of time in Texas as well. Yeah, I spent uh, high school, college, medical school, my, my surgical residency, about about seventeen years altogether in, in Texas and various parts. So Houston, Austin, Lubbock, uh, Galveston were places I've been mostly. So so tell our listeners. You know, essentially why we're talking today. You know, I became aware of you 
the recent interview with Joe Rogan on his podcast, and I was blown away by the diet um, that you're promoting. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, it's, a, it's basically an animal-based diet. You know, we're calling it a carnivorous diet. Basically, we basically exclude all the plants from the diet. You know, no fruits, no vegetables, no grains, no sugar, you know, none of the processed foods. And we basically just uh, strictly, you know, kind of meat uh, for the most part. Some people add a little bit of eggs and a little bit of dairy, uh, you know, some seasonings and salt. And that's, that's pretty much it. Mm. And uh, surprisingly, despite what we've been told, you know, much of the, much of the uh, sort of the work that's gone on to sort of say meat has been bad for us, causes all kinds of medical issues. The exact opposite seems to be happening. And the people that are adopting this are really noticing tremendous improvements in their health. Their blood pressure normalizes, their joint pain goes away, their depression gets better, their Skin issues like psoriasis and eczema, allergies and acne go away. Uh, their digestion improves tremendously. Uh, their blood sugar normalizes. Uh, their uh, you know, triglycerides go down, or their HDL numbers go up. Um, you know, every every you know the depression goes away. I mean, every marker of disease that we would think uh, gets better on this diet, which is quite you know I think very interesting. I think there's. Uh, you know, I think there's some reasons behind that, you know, different different thoughts on why that may be the case. It's what I've done for now nearly 14 months, and I've never, you know, my, my health has been as good as it's ever been in my life, probably the best I've ever been. I'm a competitive athlete. I've been uh, thus far able to break a number of world records, uh, you know, in, in the sport right now, of, uh, you know, indoor rowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've broken multiple world records while, you know, living completely on a all-meat diet. And how old are you? So it's been, I'm 51. 51, okay, wow. And breaking world records. So, you know, this sounds like a hell of a deal because while I do sometimes eat my veggies, I honestly can say I only do it because they're supposed to be good for me or so I thought, you know, not necessarily because I enjoy the taste like I do eating uh, venison or steak or whatever. Yeah, I mean, we've been kind of told that vegetables are required and necessary. And, you know, I think that I think the science behind that is really quite weak, quite honestly. I mean, most of it's based on epidemiology. So epidemiology is when they look at large populations and they look at people eating, look what people are eating, and then they determine what their health is. Well, the problem with that is people that eat a lot of fruits and vegetables tend to eat less junk food. You know, they tend to eat a lot less processed food and potato chips and stuff like that. And so when you, you know, make that your assumption that fruits and vegetables are good, uh, then, then, then I think you're having a problem with that. So what we're finding is that, uh, you know, there's there's no absolute requirements to have any. You know, there's there's only requirements for fat and protein in our diet. There's no requirement whatsoever for us to have carbohydrates. Uh, you know, much of what's in vegetables are, you know, people, you know, they don't want to talk about this, but there's a lot of toxic chemicals that are that are in vegetables. Vegetables defend themselves from predation. They don't like to be eaten. They secrete lots of chemicals and, and natural pesticides, and we eat that stuff. And, you know, they've tested that in, in years past. You know, they found that uh, a guy named Bruce Ames did a study in 1990 looking at those natural pesticides. And when he tested them in rats, something like uh, 27 of the 52 compounds that they tested gave rats cancer. And we don't talk about that because it's natural and organic and all that stuff, but it's, that's, that's the case. The other thing has never been tested for or rarely been tested for is things like how do these compounds affect joint health? Do they cause arthritis? Do they cause things like autoimmune diseases? Uh, do they cause things like depression? Do they cause gastrointestinal issues? Uh, we're seeing that people that give them up completely find that their autoimmune diseases go away, their intestinal issues go away, 
you know, their depression goes away, their mental health gets better. So it's interesting. You know, I, again, this, the, the science on this is pretty new and needs to be investigated. I am, you know, collecting data from thousands of people that, that, you know, all seem to be showing very similar results in this regard. So it's, you know, there's more to come here and there's more and more people trying it every single day and more and more people are getting just really tremendous, you know, pretty, quite honestly, pretty shocking results. Well, so you're like a, the walking uh, test tube. I mean, you're the experiment. You're 14 months into it now, never been in better shape. And I wanted to talk about how much you eat each day. I know you're probably bigger than me, um, taller, you know, way more. But for the average human, I mean, so how often are you eating? And is it some kind of extreme portion size or, or walk us through that process? Yeah, so I, you know, like I said, I'm 6'5", between 240 and 250, you know, depending on the day. Um, you know, I'm a very active athlete. You know, I'm, I'm lean. If, and if you look at me on Instagram, you can see I'm very lean. Uh, and I train very hard. But I, I generally eat around about four pounds of, of basically steak a day. You know, that's pretty much four pounds of red meat a day. That's on average. Some days it's even as high as six pounds. Um, you know, on a light day it might be three pounds. Generally, that's either one or two meals a day for, you know, probably 95% of the way I eat. That's, that's, and it's based on appetite, basically. You know, my, my capacity to eat a little more each meal has gone up significantly, and my meal frequency has gone down, you know, pretty pretty much to, to twice a day is about all I end up eating. Uh-huh. Okay, wow, wow. And so it's large portions, less frequently. Um, I'll say this, you know, I'm a gym rat. I like to work out. I've kind of hit a wall, though, as far as, like, physical gains go and I haven't really thought about a strict dietary change. You know, I've got um things that I like. I like to drink a little beer. Uh but this is fascinating and, and just seeing the other people not just you but other people, um, like if you go and look at stuff uh like World Carnivore Tribe, a Facebook group, stuff like that, uh people are saying it's it's really uh, benefiting their life, making them stronger, more fit, they're feeling better. Um but for the average guy who who doesn't want to work out or gal or doesn't have time to or whatever, maybe they go to the gym once a week, maybe they don't even have a gym membership, are there benefits to switching to a uh, carnivorous diet for those individuals? Yeah, so I mean the people that, you know, and I was influenced by people that have been doing it much longer than me. There's people that have been doing this up to 20 years, you know, like a whole bunch of them done it for 10 years, five years. And most of those people came to this diet just to solve health problems. You know, they kind of got desperate. You know, they, they tried everything else in the world. They finally figured out that dropping all the plants, just eating meat, got rid of all their health issues. So most of those people that have been doing it for decades mm. really weren't gym people. You know, it's kind of a new crop of people that are doing it and finding all these performance uh, enhancers. You know, I, I because I've kind of been a figurehead and, a, you know, kind of been spearheading the charge with this, I get a lot of athletes that, you know, even some world-class athletes have started doing this now with really good results, so it's interesting. But the majority of the people that do this do not work out, you know, or they do it minimally. And most of them, you know, most of them find that, you know, after they do it for a while, they may feel like they want to start working out again because they have more energy, their joints stop hurting, you know, their, their, their mood just elevates, they feel like moving and doing things. But most people that do this, uh, quite honestly, don't work out much at all, if, if any. And, and they still, you know, notice pretty significant improvements in their health. So I think mm. it's... Uh, Working out is not a requirement. I think what happens is when you work out, your appetite just goes up, which which makes total sense. You know, if you, right, you right. spend more, you're going to eat more. And so most, the average person that does this probably eats around two pounds of meat a day, maybe for a female, maybe a pound and a half. And that seems to be kind of an average for a normal-sized person that, that's not particularly active. You know, mm-hmm. when you get more active and a little bigger, you know, 
as as you would imagine, your 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 requirements go up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting for sure. Um, what about, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but what about stuff like, uh, vitamin C and, and other things that I guess, you know, you're supposed to have in your body, or at least we think we're supposed to have, um, where do you, do you take supplements or, or just, uh, not really worry about it? Yeah, I don't take any supplements at all. The only thing I do is put salt on my meat. That's it. No supplements, no vitamins. Nothing, you know, and the, the interesting thing about this is that, um, you know, as, as I researched this, because that was the question I had, you start to look back and you find out that vitamin C, the requirement for vitamin C goes up significantly when you're processing carbohydrates. We know that glucose competes with vitamin C absorption, so they, can, they compete with each other. So the more glucose you're dealing with, the more vitamin C you need. We know animals that can make their own vitamin C. When you feed them a high-carbohydrate diet, they make much more vitamin C because they require more vitamin C. Mm-hmm. We've also known for, for you know at least 120 or 30 years that fresh meat actually cured scurvy. You know, one of the problems that the sailors that got vitamin C, they were eating dried meats like turkeys and stuff like that, and then a heart, you know, heart attack, which is a bunch of basically dried bread product. And so they were eating a high-carb diet with dried meat, and that's why they contracted scurvy. They knew that if they got fresh meat, and it doesn't have to be freshly killed. Like the meat from the supermarket is fine. It doesn't have to be right off the animal. It can be, mm-hmm. as long as it's not dried out, you still get enough vitamin C to prevent that. We also know that one of the functions of vitamin C is an antioxidant. We also we know that the human, when you go on a lower carbohydrate diet, our you know, overall regulation of antioxidants, things like carnosine, glutathione, superoxide, dismutase, all upregulate. So your requirement for antioxidants goes down. Also, vitamin C is, is helpful for developing collagen, building collagen on a high meat diet. You know, I think you're, you're, you're getting so many amino acids that that probably requirement goes down. So no one is developing scurvy on this diet. Of thousands and thousands of people have done this. No one's developed scurvy or any other vitamin deficiency. We know that a number of the vitamins that are based on the RDA requirements, when you exclude carbohydrate metabolism, we know that those vitamin requirements go down significantly. In fact, we also know that a high plant diet not only impedes the absorption of those same vitamins and minerals, but it also drives those requirements up. And so the RDA requirements were based on plant high-carb eating populations. They don't really apply to people that are on low-carb, ketogenic, or carnivorous diets. And so we have to kind of rethink nutrition completely. Wow. Fascinating stuff on that front as far as the nutrition goes. Um Dr. Baker, we do need to take a quick break, though, but I'd like to uh, invite you to stick around because I want to talk about Wild Game specifically and its place or or possible place in this diet because, to be honest, I've got a couple freezers full of it, and I might be off to a good start here. Uh, So can you stick around for another segment? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Perfect, and that segment was brought to you by Scent Blaster. It's literally changed the game for lots of hunters out there, and whether they're after deer, hogs, or predators, it doesn't matter. All you do is fill up the scent blaster with your favorite scent-based attractant. That's right. So right now, if you're after hogs, put some cinnamon or vanilla in there and let it rip. You can also use it for cover scent in your hunting blind or in your tree stand. It's the scent blaster, and you can find it at scentblaster.net. We'll be right back with more from Dr. Sean Baker as we discuss the benefits of the carnivore diet right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. And I wake up with my sheets soaking wet and a freight train running through the middle of my head and we cool my desire 
Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes, from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Howdy friends, Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. Hi, this is James McMurtry, and thank you for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I don't know what made me so brazen and bold At the time I was feeling so wasted and old And I can't dance the lick, but sometimes I can flat rock and roll one of my favorites there from our good friend James McMurtry bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show powered by Dallas Safari Club. Cable Smith here with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I do appreciate it. Uh, thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. We are visiting with Dr. Sean Baker and uh, discussing the carnivore diet. What if you just ate meat for every meal? Eh, is that good for you? Well, we are discussing here today, and we'll get back into it momentarily. But first, this segment brought to you by Pulsar Night Vision and Thermal Imaging. Uh, these are tools that can help you pile up the wild game, that is for sure, especially under the cover of darkness. Check out the Pulsar Trail. If you really want to get after those hogs, the Pulsar Trail is the ticket. And you will save... 20% off your purchase if you use my promo code Lone Star. That's Lone Star when you check out at PulsarNV.com. You'll get 20% off the trail or, or any of their thermal or night vision optics, by the way, and you'll get free shipping. PulsarNV.com. You can find it all right there. All right. Well, uh, Dr. Baker, we appreciate you sticking around through the break. As I mentioned, you know, I've got uh, two freezers, like full of everything from elk to wild boar to whitetail, axis deer, turkey, uh, some fish in there, you name it. So I've got all of the uh, wild game here for the carnivore diet as far as getting going. Um, is there any reason why that isn't as good for me as, say, the steak and stuff that you're eating day in and day out? Yeah, I mean, yeah, hunting is a great way to get your, you know, get your, I'm surprised, I wonder how mountain lion tastes, I'm just kind of curious because, you know, it's another have you, have you had mountain lion before? Oh, not until this. Uh, I shot one in December. Um, yeah. And uh, spent I spent about three weeks with a guy in Colorado um, with hounds and 
And uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's kind of a wider meat like pork to be honest with you. And I've cooked it three different ways now, and it's been delicious every time. My kids are young; they they eat it; they don't know any better. So uh, yeah, yeah. The only thing, like I said, with 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 this particular diet, you know, you need to make sure you get enough fat in your diet. So sometimes the game meat can be a little leaner. So you might, you know, I think from an well, load some bacon up on it. Yeah, just put some bacon, cook with cook with cook with bacon grease or tallow or lard or something like that. I think evolution, you know, you know, back, you know, thirty thousand years ago when we were hunting, we probably had a bigger selection of what they call megafauna, which would have been the big fattier animals. And so mm-hmm. I think we evolved eating a little bit more fat and so some of the game meat that we get today, you know, maybe a little leaner, so you just have to be cautious if you live on game meat that you that you include enough fat in the diet. So that's that's the only caveat I'd say there. Okay. And maybe put some eggs in or something. Sure. Yeah. You mentioned eggs are fine. Uh, other dairy items, uh, milk, uh, stuff like that, stay away from. Or? Yeah, I mean, yeah, eggs are fine. I would, you know, the, 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 most people find that if they if they eat eggs with with the meat, like steak and eggs or something like that, you know, that that works a little better for them. Some people, if they eat too many eggs, some people, not everybody, some people it can cause issues for them. The same thing with dairy. You know, I try to keep dairy to, you know, again, I don't eat much of it anymore at all. But the people that do it tend to prefer, you know, like higher fat dairy like cheeses and cream uh, and maybe some full fat yogurt occasionally, but, you know, kind of keep it as a, as, as kind of a minimal part of the diet. Mm-hmm. Some people will, will react to dairy with, with different, different kind of reactions. So some mm-hmm. people find that eliminating dairy for a while helps. Some people find they can tolerate a low level. Other people do okay with higher amounts, but you just kind of have to see what your, your own level of uh, tolerance is. And where does the, uh, where does the Lone Star beer fit into the diet? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I mean to be honest, I mean, you know, alcohol is not really a part of any diet, really. I mean, you you do it as a as a recreation, you do it, uh, sure. you know, as, as as something you do for for fun or whatever. You know, you just have to kind of realize that, uh, you know, it's not a health food, but I, you know, I understand why people do it. Um, I occasionally have a small bit of alcohol every every once in a while, not that often. I'm you know in my fifties now, so I don't really get too excited about the other thing is interesting a lot of people will find well two things will happen two one they'll find that they need less alcohol to get the effects so you you know you might save money on alcohol because instead of having to drink three or four beers you drink one or two and you get the same sort of sort of euphoric you know feeling Mm -hmm. and you also find that uh, a lot of people find that their actual desire to drink that much more that alcohol kind of tends to fade away same thing with other things like smoking and coffee and stuff like that a lot of people find that they just don't desire those things as much, which is kind of an interesting. Hmm. Yeah, fascinating. Well, and I'll say the older I get, the less often I, you know, want to drink, but I still like a cold beer uh, from time to time. Uh, so you, yeah, been... I mean, the, the, the hangovers as you get older don't don't <laughs> don't, go, don't go too well after a while. You'll find maybe. <laughs> no, that's that is the truth. That is the truth. Um, and I've got a bachelor party on the on the uh, on the calendar for a buddy coming up in. March, I'm sure. I'm not looking forward to it. I'll be honest with you. It's kind of like, ugh. yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm told. I'm I'm told there's there's alcohol at that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so you've been doing this 14 months. You've said other people have done it 10, 20 years. Uh, do you plan on? I mean, is there an end game here, or is this this is just what it is from now on for you? Well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't go into this, you know, for any particular reason. I just wanted to see where, you know, get my health as good as it can be, and as long as my health remains good and as long as I continue to want to do this I'll just keep doing it I can't ever see a point at this point and I may change in a year who knows but at this point in my life I can't ever see a point where I'm not eating 
a primarily carnivorous diet. You know, may I ever have a piece of fruit or, or you know, a berry or something like that? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. You know, we'll see how things go. I don't desire that stuff right now. My health continues to be excellent. My performance athletically continu- continues to be excellent. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with what works for now until it stops working. You know, mm-hmm. and we'll see. You know, like I said, I, 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 the only reason I'm doing this is for health and, and basically athletic. I'm very competitive, and so this gives me an advantage athletically, and so I'll keep doing it that way as well. Sure. Well, and so here's the last question I have for you. You mentioned uh, that, you know, you use salt to season the meat. Um, some seasonings are okay, and then I, I watched a YouTube of you. It talks about stay away from sauces if they have a lot of sugar, that kind of stuff. Um, so just kind of keep it pretty simple, I imagine, on the seasoning part. Um, what about actual temperature that you're cooking your meat at? Is there any... Uh, benefit to eating it medium rare. I mean, that's how I like to eat essentially everything um, that's safe to. I mean, you can't eat wild hog or mountain lion uh, medium rare because of uh, some parasitic issues. But uh, the other stuff, whether it's steak or venison or you name it, uh, I I pretty much maybe we'll just start eating it raw. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, there are actually some people that, that do raw. I mean, obviously with with animals like, you know, pigs and hogs and chicken and stuff like that, raw meat, Carries, carries infectious complications, you know, like parasites and, and uh, stuff like that. So, but I, but I think with like the red meat, the ruminant animals, the deer, the, the cattle, the cow, and stuff like that, medium rares. I mean, it just tastes delicious. I mean, I think it's, I think it's, uh, in my my view, the best flavor. Um, there, there are some people that do it raw, though. I, I'm not a fan of that. You just have to be careful and make sure it's it's, it's well sourced and it's not, you know, not contaminated. So, so you have to take those extra precautions. Obviously. Heating a steak is going to kill any germs on the outside. So you put a, you know, if you cook a steak on the grill, you know, you get it to the temperature you want it, sear it up on the outside, and, and then you're pretty good to go. But I think um, if there is any benefit to eating it raw versus medium rare or even well done, it's minimal, I think, from a nutritional standpoint. <clears throat> from a flavor standpoint, you know, I think pretty much I think medium rare is where it's at. I think sure. People that, that do this for a while. Anything over that's criminal with a nice steak. yeah Yeah, i think there's some people that would argue that too yeah (laughs) well um okay if you want to give us your your contact i know that you know you will train people up on this i think they can join your your club uh like a monthly uh, subscription and then also give us your social media all that cool stuff where uh, people can find you yeah so carnivore training systems.com it really combines the way i train workout wise i've been training for 40 years, I've you know been a champion and you know world champion in a number of different sports and set up a bunch of world records in different sports. So that's just my system on how I train and what I've done to make it safe, effective, and efficient, so you're not wasting your time. But it also incorporates the diet into there. So we talk to people about both diet and training. But social media wise, uh, so I started the World Carnivore Tribe on Facebook. So we've got uh, just last month we just started that. We got over almost 5,000 people signed up for that, and we're getting about 75 a day joining up. So that's pretty interesting. So you can kind of Meet with other people that are trying the carnivore diet. Uh, on social media, I'm pretty active. Uh, on Instagram, you know, I put up a lot of neat pictures and training and stuff like that. Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Baker, B-A-K-E-R, 1967. Uh, my Twitter is SBakerMD. Uh, I'm pretty active there as well. Um, I'm trying to think what else, what else is Instagram. I've got a YouTube channel, which I put a few videos up. I'll probably put some more up on there. That's just Sean Baker, S-H-A-W-N. Mm-hmm. E-A-K-E-R. Uh, we've got MeatHeals.com, which is where we're collecting all these stories of people that have really revolutionized their life by adopting a carnivorous diet. Uh, we're getting more and more people every day. We expect to have 
several hundred stories up, you know, over the coming months as we've got lots of them collected. We're just uh-huh. fully putting them out there. N equals many dot com is a is a is a is a is a big attempt to collect all this data, including lab data, to consolidate that for, for people doing either a carnivore diet or some other other dietary or exercise things that we've worked on. Um, and what else we got? I think that yeah, and you use that hashtag uh, Meat Heals also, so people can can uh, find that on yeah Meat Heals. You can find all the people that have said you know I've lost you know I mean it's every day I get people telling me my joint pain went away, my acne went away, my psoriasis went away, my depression went away. I lost thirty pounds. You know my health's never been better than it's ever, it's ever been all day long. So I kind of try to tag that with Meat Heals uh, as a hashtag, and so you can look at all the stories that are coming in every day. As more people try it, the more people are seeing that they really are improving their health. So it's kind of it's kind of fun to be part of. It's it's really keeps me inspired to keep doing this stuff. Yeah. Well it's fascinating to me and I, I think I'm gonna at least give it a trial run. Um I think what is the minimum? Uh you recommend twelve days or something? Well I mean I would try to do it a month a because month? you know most people it might take several weeks to adapt to it. So I'd give it a full thirty days, you know. Well, I'm pretty much on a strictly, plenty. you know not a full carnivore diet, but I'd say it's seventy percent of what I eat. So it'd yeah, be an easy transition. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, one of the things people have is because they to get over the cravings that they have for other foods. You really have to kind of you, you really have to vanquish that. And the best way to do that is just to load up every time you think about something else. Just put some bacon in your mouth, put another <laughs> bacon in your mouth, get, get some venison, venison sausage, whatever. whatever I can think of worse things than that. Oh man! Yeah, just just fill up on that stuff every time you think about it. You do that for a few weeks, and all of a sudden you you stop craving craving sugar and that other junk. So yeah, awesome. that's the way you beat that stuff. Well, cool. Well, Doctor Baker, I certainly enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for making time for us today. Real treat. Hey, Cable, appreciate it, man. You bet. Take care, Doctor Baker. Okay, man. Bye bye. Doctor Sean Baker, advocate for the carnivore diet and the World Carnivore Tribe. Fascinating stuff there. I tell you what. Uh, it's certainly something that I'm going to do uh, eventually, and I'm not going to consult my physician because he's going to tell me not to do it. But if you read these stories of of how this diet has been changing lives for the better, uh, I think there's got to be some validity there, and especially for someone who likes to work out. I know many of y'all do as well. Uh, I'm trying to get, or I have a hard time getting all of my protein naturally anyway. Uh, So this could be the missing element. We'll see. That segment of the show brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy in Marion, Texas. Josh and Becky also have a second location in San Antonio to better serve you. And uh, they've been taking care of all my trophy mounts for I don't even know how long it's been. It's been a while. Uh, They do amazing work. They offer fast turnaround time, and they answer the phone when you call. So next time you harvest that wall hanger, you know what to do. Go to Rustic Reminders Taxidermy, and you can find them at gr8mounts.com. That's like great mounts. It's gr8mounts.com. All right, up next, a special in-studio guest, uh, Ryan Bussey of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. He is the national chairman of the board. He'll be here live in studio, and we'll discuss some imminent threats to our public lands. Also, how is President Trump doing as far as representing the interests of sportsmen and women in our country? We'll discuss right here on the Lone Star Outdoors show. The wise men will bow down before the throne, and at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns. 
comes around. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. This is Greg Biffle, driver number 16, 3 and 4 Fusion, and thank you for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. high, wild, and free Where the Mackenzie's meet the heavens you can hike through God's artistry. Hi, wild and free. That's the music of our buddy Chad Slagle bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Cable Smith riding shotgun with you today. Thank you so much for being here as we've got some uh, backcountry stuff to get into momentarily with Ryan Bussey, board chair for backcountry hunters and anglers and a fascinating fellow in his own right, a passionate public land hunter, and someone who's made a career in the firearms industry. Uh, But before we talk public lands with uh, Ryan, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. To get plugged in with this great group of folks who are passionate about hunter's rights, hunter education, and conservation, check us out at biggame.org. All right, well, let's go ahead and introduce our next guest who happens to be sitting here in studio um, as is an old friend, Jeff Bynum, uh, who's been on the show previously. But it's my pleasure to welcome BHA Chairman of the Board, Ryan Bussey, to the show. It's good to be back Thanks on the show. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Ryan, you might not know, but uh, Jeff's actually been on the show before. I don't know if he told you about this. <laughs> I was uh, catching him up to speed there uh, in the truck on a little hunting he, accident. He close well, he, call, yeah. He explained to me how he's famous. He's been on your show before. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first yeah. time to be famous. Yeah, he got shot in the ass, basically. Yeah, it was and, not the way uh, I wanted to get famous. Near-death right. experience, just like Meriwether Lewis. You know, he got shot in the ass. Yeah. But, uh, you know, something that he was willing to talk about and serve as a reminder to other outdoorsmen about, you know, just how, how uh, safe and... And cautious you need to be because there was definitely uh you know sometimes there's a split second there when the guy that shot jeff just you know. yeah and he's a good hunter it can it can happen you, yeah. you can't let your guard down that's for sure luckily just a little bruising and, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was it still got a scar tissue but i don't feel like dropping my pants and showing <laughs> you guys right now so appreciate that yeah. yeah my dad used to tell me you know we'd be hunting pheasants he'd say look there's no bird worth dying for that's so exactly jeff right. there's no hog worth dying for yeah. <laughs> learn that yeah well it's it's great to have both of you um ryan let's get to know you a little bit uh, first of all, before we, we talk about BHA, tell us a little bit about yourself as far as, you know, what your favorite things to hunt are. I know you spend a lot of time hunting our public lands every year. Yep, I do. I probably spend, um, 
oh, anywhere from 50 to 75, 80 days a year, hunting and fishing, public lands. Um, and I was just telling Jeff on our drive over, I do everything from float with a family and fish and, and fly fish all summer. And then as soon as uh, September arrives, I'm behind my bird dogs or chasing elk in the back country, um, always hunting antelope and mule deer every year. Um, so I don't really have a favorite. My favorite is the season, whatever that happens right, to be. Right. So yeah, I love, I love being on public lands. Awesome. Uh, bird dogs. So, you know, Belle's sitting here. Yep. Uh, she, uh, she loves a duck hunt, yep. but really she just loves to retrieve anything you shoot, whether it has fur or feathers, doesn't matter to her. There she go. doesn't discriminate. There you go. Now, what kind of bird dogs do you have? I run uh, Brittany's, uh-huh. um, and I run, I like, I like hunting big wild country. So I'll do, you know, a typical bird hunting day for me. I'll, I'll do eight or 10 or 12 miles, a lot of vertical mm-hmm. and my dogs will do 25 to 35. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're chasing usually in Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, we're chasing chuckers, huns, pheasants, sharp tails. Um, yeah. In the big wild country. Yeah. Well, you know, in Texas, it's all about quail. Yeah. We have pheasant in the panhandle, but the drought really, I mean, they took a beating. Yep. They're coming back a little bit. But our quail came back uh, strong, and one of the best bird dogs I've ever hunted over was a Brittany. That, yeah. uh, I took Bell, went out to West Texas, and yeah. this was last year. My friend Evan, he's like, "Yeah, bring Bell. He can work behind." Yeah. And she honors; she doesn't break. You know, so great. She's, she's great. A lot of those bird dogs don't want to pick up birds. Yeah. This dog, he picked up every damn quail, and I just looked at her. I was like, "You're not gonna so, have much to do." Sorry, Bell. Unless we hit two birds, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> you're, yeah. you're not gonna have a lot to do, Bell. Hey, there's nothing wrong. West Texas bird hunting. Quail hunt, that's about as pure as it gets. That's that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a gentleman's sport. Maybe the last, you know, it's kind of the nostalgia of hunting over a good working dog. Maybe you've got an over-under or a, you know, double barrel, which I know is something that uh, yeah. you're passionate about. Yeah, yeah, I love, I I think it, I tell everybody if I had to give up everything, I think my bird hunt would be the last thing. And, and I, it's probably some of that that you described, the camaraderie with your, your guys, you love your shotguns, you can talk to your dog unlike big game hunting, you get to shoot a lot. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it combines a lot of things. And you collect, uh, double barrels. Right? I do. I like, I don't know why my dad developed <laughs> a sickness in me. I like old hundred year old, uh, American shotguns. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I like to, I like to climb around the hills with hundred year old guns. I don't know. I guess you could, I tell my wife I could have way worse sicknesses. So <laughs> let me, let me yeah. ask you real quick, Ryan, what age did you start your kids hunting with your dogs? Um, well, okay. I saw most of both, my, both of my boys start hunting with me before they can carry a gun. So they're hiking around with me when they're seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And in Montana, we have a hunter apprentice system. They can start hunting when they're 10. And both of them have started hunting when they're 10. And by the time they're 12 or 13, they're, they're ripping it. Yeah. Right on. My son is five. Yeah. Gave him a BB gun for Christmas. Yeah. And so yesterday we were out in the backyard exploding some old skunky beer. <laughs> Very good. I think I think it, I think yeah. I brought it home from a, a, a Ducks Unlimited banquet in like 2015. Yeah. And it was sitting back right there. I was like, I ain't drinking this. Yeah. Let's have some fun. Oh my God. He, he the smile on his face when those beers exploded. It was great. That was the best thing. Nothing ever. to get your kid hooked on shooting like a skunky beer. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, well. What about grouse? Do you guys have grouse up there? We do. We have three species of mountain grouse, blue grouse, ruffed, and what we call Franklin's or spruce grouse. Uh-huh. And yeah, so we hunt those two. Yeah. I uh, I like grouse hunting, but from here, it's about 12 hours to New Mexico to find the first blue grouse. Yeah. So, but it's a long but ways to go for a grouse. Good. Like white meat. Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's awesome. fantastic to eat. And uh, I was doing this trapline trip in BC last week. And he told me that blue grouse was the worst out of all the ones he had up there, which I was like, really? For me, it's like, it's like white. He's like, no, he's like the, 
uh, roughs are good. Ruffed, he said, yeah. was was far better. Ruffed, I mean, I like eating all of them, and we do. That's one of the tenets of our family. We eat what we shoot. We, oh, yeah. but I'll say ruffed grouse. That's like a big quail. I mean, that's 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 good stuff. Uh, well, I know you're you're a student of policy and politics, which ties directly into your role with backcountry hunters and anglers. Yeah. Um, so, what is it exactly that you do at BHA? Um, I'm chair of the board. Um, and there's a core group of us that try to provide direction for the organization. It's been really fun. You know, it's the fastest growing conservation sportsman's organization in the country. And, um, it's, it's just a rocket ship. So we're, we're trying to chart the course for, um, where we want this thing to go, you know, next five, 10 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how long have you been on the board? I've been on the board. I tried the, all these years run together, but about, I think about four or five years I've been chair for three. Okay. Well, we've had, um, BHA president Lantani on a couple times. Yep. To talk about various topics and yep. uh, he's alluded to the fact that it's growing so quickly. Why do you think BHA is because there's a lot of organizations out there that people yep. can get involved in. Yeah. A lot of them are great. Uh, but what separates BHA and, and why is it taking hold of uh, America's sportsman as rapidly as it is? Well, uh, I think, think that boils down to a couple reasons and and i'll back up just a bit i think the first is because the, it it revolves around the thing that our that is our mission really and this is this being the sportsman's voice for public lands water and wildlife and um i think there's a yearning within the populace in general but certainly within the sportsman's community to experience an an, an equalizer and public lands and public wildlife and water are an equalizer when when you step on to um, public lands in colorado um, New Mexico, wherever, um, Texas, wherever these public lands are, um, you become equal with everybody. And um, I think that there is, uh, I don't think, I know there is a yearning um, for the populace and for the sportsman's populace to experience that. So BHA is the, is really the only org that focuses exclusively on um, protecting and enhancing that great equalizer. And then we we have a bit of magic, which I'm not positive that any of us can put our finger on but um we just had a pint night left last night um jeff was there helped organize it and mm-hmm. you know 80 people in texas show up i mean it's texas is not the bastion of public lands we know that 98 it's all private land here but it's young it's fun people want to make an impact um these guys are on fire i see it everywhere and and we're going to cross over twenty thousand members with you know maybe why we're sitting here i don't know but they're coming to us in droves and it's just it's just an organization where people can make an impact and they love it. Awesome, awesome. Um, what about the chapter system? Do you think that that has been uh, a key element as far as the growth? Yeah, I really do. Um, you know, chapters are always hard to manage for an organization because it's it really means lots of disparate things going on from a when you look at it from a national org standpoint. But really, the key to BHA is this grassroots activism. Um, people like the guys I talked to last night in Arlington. They want to do something. They want to make an impact. They want, and they don't just want to make an impact. They, they do want to make an impact on the larger world, but they want to make an impact on their day to day, their October, their November, their whitetail season. Um, th- there were kids there last night, uh, young kids. They want to make an impact on what those kids get to hunt and fish. And for us to be able to make real impacts on people's lives, it requires chapters and grassroots. And, mm-hmm. and we really have that. And is that a big element as far as uh, funding? I mean, obviously, like Ducks Unlimited. If you didn't have chapters, you wouldn't have Ducks Unlimited. I mean, you have private donors. Mm -hmm. They might write a million-dollar check, but across the board, when you have hundreds, thousands of chapters, 
uh, not just in Texas, but or not, excuse me, not just in the U.S., but also Canada. Mm-hmm. You're raising a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know how important that is for BHA at this point. But well, we've never looked at. I I couldn't answer what where it comes in I with mean, regards I to funding, like a, a BHA fundraiser banquet. So yeah, no, we don't do that. Uh-huh. Um, and I certainly I don't want this to be uh, perceived as me chastising any organization, sure. but in in a lot of ways accidentally we're kind of the anti all other organizations and i don't mean that we're against anybody it's just we just have learned to do things differently because um you know who else does pint nights i mean everybody loves beer um and get around and talk about hunting you know (laughs) and that's not really a fundraising event but it's a fun event so we don't do the uh, typical banquet thing we don't really raise funds that way um the the chapter thing really is about grassroots and about and about folks, men and women, both um, trying to make an impact on their life. Awesome. Well, let's do this. Let's take a quick break, okay. uh, come back, and then get into some uh, pressing issues regarding threats to our public land. Sound okay. good? Sounds great. Perfect. That segment, by the way, brought to you by Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas, available right now in the Lone Star Beer camo can. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. We'll be right back with more from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Chairman of the Board, Ryan Bussey. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. As the sun shines down and dries this blood-soaked ground, my heart is sick and sad. This ragtag band will be long gone by tomorrow, far away. Rocksteady Point, a covey rises, over-unders ring out. Cable here for White Rock Upland Birds, an outfit Bell and I have hunted with many times. Whether you bring your bird dogs or use their polished pointers, hunting quail and pheasant on the White Rock Trophy Ranch is an experience to remember. Located 45 minutes from DFW in Italy, Texas, White Rock will waive the $150 guide fee if you mention the Lone Star Outdoors show. Plus, save $25 off any package if you bring your own dogs. So grab your buddies and shotguns and call 972-880-9068 today. There was 40 feet between them when they stopped to make their play. And the swiftness of the ranger is still talked about today. Texas red and not cleared leather for a bullet fairly ripped. And the ranger's aim was... There's a classic from Marty Robbins bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Big Iron, one of my all-time favorites there. I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. As we are visiting with backcountry hunters and anglers, chairman of the board, uh, Ryan Bussey. But before we get into some very serious threats to our public lands that are going on Right now, today, every day for that matter, uh, this segment of the presentation is brought to you by First Light Hunting, offering the, well, there's no doubt about it, they offer the best merino wool base layers that you'll find. That's what they specialize in. And from there, they've developed an incredible line of outerwear for all of your hunting needs. So what you do is you go to firstlight.com. You can see the entire lineup right there because they are no longer selling retail that's right to save you money it's all direct to consumer you can check it out at firstlight.com all right uh well let's go ahead and get back into it here with backcountry hunters and anglers ryan bussey 
He is the chairman of their national board. Also, uh, from the Texas chapter, our good buddy Jeff Bynum, who is actually planning on moving up to Idaho in the near future. And Ryan, you actually live in Montana, and while we've had other Montanans, I don't know how you guys refer to yourselves, but uh, we've had other folks from Montana on the show, you're the first to ever be here live in studio. I tell everybody, Montana stinks, you don't want to go there, don't don't come visit, I can't tell you how bad the place is. Yeah, it sucks so bad. I'm excited to experience that suckiness in May, because I'll be going to uh, Montana my first time, yeah. I'll be hunting with Luke Sterling, and we're going to do uh, Spring Bear, which obviously... You can yeah. see I've, I've shot a bear, yeah, but I've never done spot and stalk. So yeah, I'm well, that's the real way to do it. You will, um, <laughs> that country will. Uh, I, we like to say those hills will make a man of you. Yeah. Um, I don't mean that to chastise <laughs> you, but uh, you, you, you it, it will get your attention. Awesome. Well, um, as far as BHA is concerned, I'm a proud member. I spend a good amount of my time hunting and fishing our public lands uh, every year, whether that's elk or grouse or fly fishing. Uh, obviously, you already said you spend 60, 70, 80 days on those public lands as well. What are some of the most imminent threats to our public lands right now today? Um, we at BHA believe that there's an unprecedented push now, I think largely from um, you know private industry to privatize these lands, essentially to um, try to industrialize them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's coming in forms of attacks on funding. It's coming in forms of outright call for their sale. You heard... You know, Jason Chaffetz had a bill while well, I was still representative of Utah here a few months ago that actually um, called for the sale of public land. So we feel like they're getting attacked at, uh, from several angles, um, and, you know, we're fighting it, fighting it every way we can, and at the same time trying to enhance uh, both hunting and fishing opportunity on, on those lands. So it's not just about holding them. It's about ensuring that the things that we love to do on them as multiple-use users uh, gets enhanced. Mm-hmm. Now, you recently spoke at a public hearing with some pretty opinionated private landowners. Mm-hmm. And I briefly watched a, a YouTube clip of that. Before our listeners, tell us a little bit about what was going on there. I assume you're, you're uh, speaking of Mr. Bundy? Yes, the yeah. Bundys, yeah. yeah. Um, well, they do own some private land. Uh, they're not very big private landowners, and they're frankly, they're uh, stealing from you and I and every other public lands owner by grazing their cattle and have been. They mm-hmm. owe the they only owe the federal treasury now, you know, well over a million dollars. But they were in Montana. Uh, several of, of uh, that crew uh, were in Montana. Cliven and Ryan and Bundy and uh, several other folks that uh, were at the Oregon standoff, and um, it was a bit of an odd. Uh, event, uh, part religious revival, part um, anti-federal government, uh, you know, get together, um, felt a bit odd, but there were several of us from BHA that that were there to push back a little bit and, you know, kind of stand up for public lands and the public resource. Okay. Uh, Well, I'm glad that you were. And and I'll tell you, it's, uh, I I didn't know the whole background of of why you guys are so passionate about it, but they're great. So I go to New Mexico, I go archery elk hunting if i draw a tag yep there's cow crap everywhere yeah they're grazing hopefully they're paying i don't know if they are or not. yep um but it's kind of i don't know uh, is that an issue for you guys i mean so this guy wants to graze his cattle on our public lands if he's paying the government no so well, where be, was the issue there I guess? well first off let it be said bha and our members in our organization are firm believers in the multiple use doctrine um 
uh, and, and that means that the federal public lands or that the public lands that we all own are managed for multiple uses. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are federal grazing leases where a rancher pays to lease his sure. uh, cattle or graze his cattle on wherever you might have been uh, elk hunting. Um, the problem with the Bundys is, is that they don't have a federal lease and have been grazing their cattle on property that belongs to all of us and paying nothing for it. So they've been stealing it. Then. They've been stealing it. It's no different than you showing up there every day. And they think and, they have a right to do that? Yes. It just what it, the hell? It, it it'd be the same as if you showed up there every day and just wanted to stack up mule deer because you thought you should be able to. It's right. theft from it's theft from the public. So mm-hmm. um, I do like mule deer. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you don't like bars because no. you'd be inside of them if you did that. And that's the problem is that the Bundy crew has not been held to account for what is thievery from the federal yeah. resource. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mule deer is my uh, my number one enemy. I've spent more time, <laughs> money, energy trying to shoot a nice mule deer yeah. than any other species. Yeah. And I've come away with, for me, it was a trophy because it was on public land. Yeah. But it was like a, a seven point. You yeah. know? Um, hey, it is what it is. Yeah. And I think I've spent six weeks maybe and shot two dinks, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to get the big one one yeah, day. That's but, great. Uh, but I love those. I Anything love on public land's big, it's a trophy. Absolutely. Um, okay. So. That's the gist of what was going on with the Bundys. Um, what about as far? Let me tell you this though. As far as like Texas private land, um, like we already alluded to, Jeff and I, our state's ninety-eight percent privately owned. Yeah. And I don't know. I have. I don't know what BHA's stance is on on uh, high fences or anything like that. But a lot of times I end up here anyway, siding with the landowner because mm-hmm. it's their land, mm-hmm. and we don't have. Unfortunately, I wish we did. I wish to God we did. We don't have the vast expanses of, of private land like all the western states do. Mm-hmm. Um, what is uh, BHA stance on high fence hunting? You know, I don't think that we I, maybe I, don't even I, have. I don't think that we have a position one way or another. Um, we are ardent advocates for um, not just public land, but publicly owned wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tenant. It's a it's a tenant of North American model of wildlife management. Sure, that the public owns the wildlife. There isn't a particular person that owns the wildlife, and so to the extent. I suppose that high fence hunting restricts that. I guess I can't say that we're against it because we're not. We're not. Right. We're not out to attack anybody. We're just out for to, our listeners. Though they need to know. You know, I just have to ask you a tough question. Yeah, right? we're just. We are about enhancing the public's uh, access to wildlife, and so um, not. We're not trying to attack private property rights. We're not trying to attack anybody's livelihood or way of hunting. Sure. Um, we're just trying to enhance what we see as uniquely American. Is the one of the biggest conflicts for you guys? public access through private lands. So, you know, you've got landlocked. I mean, and I saw it uh, Colorado elk hunting this past year. Yep. First time I've ever hunted elk on private land. Yeah. Um, but there were places where we would drive through public land. Yep. And the guy would be like, eh, no one can get to this. Yep. And kind of think it was funny, you know? It was like, well, this is public land. He's like, sucks for them. And I was yep. like, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, so we have been very ardent advocates for bills um and i believe one of them was called uh, it was a congressional bill making public lands public and it's a exact same thing that you're just talking about when you have landlocked sections off. well yeah you own it yeah. okay i own it jeff and there owns I was it. hunting on this beautiful yeah. i mean and, yeah. and i didn't yeah. pay the money and it backed yeah. into this yeah. because of hurricane harvey yeah. a guy couldn't go he's like you want to go i was like well hell yeah yeah uh, but to see that just like no one can yeah. get there and he thought yep. it was cute. I was like, "Well, that's not right." Well, you know, I you know, I said it. Uh, I want to hunt there. <laughs> I, sat, I sat there having a beer with eighty guys, eighty guys and gals last night, and they're bemoaning to me, you know, we got to do this to get to this public land and canoe up here and do this and you know, climb over this fence. And so I, 
I look at it through their eyes. Like I want them to have access to be able to hunt elk there. That's what that's what is uniquely American about that. So yes, we support making public lands public. Right on, right on. Um, so here's a question: How can our listeners help in this fight? Yeah. So I was asked that last night, and and I think an important and critical part of this is is to become, you know, become a member somewhere. I know there's lots of conservation orgs. Of course, I'm here to advocate for BHA. I'm on the board. I believe in it, and I think we're uniquely positioned to do that. So I would, you know, I would say please become a member of BHA. What is it seventy five bucks a year? Or something? Yeah, it's less than it's that. Like Twenty five dollars. Yeah, it's less than that. It's less than that. Um, go on backcountryhunters.org. Um, you can become a member easily, and then advocate. When, if you're going to believe in your sport, if this thing is in your soul, like it's in mine, call a Senator, call a Congressman, stand up for it. You think it doesn't matter? Baloney. It matters. That's my next question. Yes, yeah, it matters. Your public official doesn't even matter anymore. It really matters. I'll tell you what I think matters more is when we don't do it. Uh, when, when bad things happen, when anti-public land legislation happens and nobody stands up for it, um, we send the message that that's okay and it should not be okay for us. Yeah, right on. Um, as far as President Trump goes, how does BHA feel he has done, him and Zinke have done thus far in their administration, as far as public lands are concerned? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's fair to say uh, there's a lot of improvement to be made. Um, I, we feel like we've taken several steps back. We're obviously ardently opposed to the monument rollback, which will be fought in court. Um, the new budget that just came out uh, a couple days ago proposes an, an excess of 90% cut to land and water conservation fund, which is one of the most successful conservation uh, funding funding mechanisms ever in the history of the federal government. The Trump administration proposes to cut that radically, and that's paid for, much like your Social Security is paid for by you. This is funded by uh, lawful... Um, royalties from offshore oil, oil and uh, oil drilling, and so it's in the federal treasury. It's just that the government is now robbing that money to do something else with, and it's there to spend for sportsmen. To like, for instance, your landlocked, um, your landlocked section you just talked about. Mm -hmm. LWCF buys easements to places like that. Um, and so we want that to be used for what it's supposed to be used for. And here we have a 90% cut mm. and excess of 90% cut to it. That's quite alarming. Uh, okay. So certainly room for improvement there. What grade would you give Obama on in his eight years as far as uh, public land scale? Oh boy. Just having thought about I mean, that. Uh, scale of one to 10. In, in public lands conservation, scale of one to 10, Seven probably. You know, I I haven't stopped to uh, sure. I haven't stopped so to terrible. count them all up. No, um, not everything was good, but we had more public lands protections. We didn't have a lot of rollbacks. Um, there wasn't a lot of pro hunting legislation that happened, but we didn't lose a lot of habitat. And so um, I'd have to rattle through everything, but that's, my gut tells me that's where it would be. Okay, right on. I didn't tell you we were going to talk about this, but I feel like uh, since it's been in the news lately, and the first time I saw it, uh, we were talking off the air about. Uh, Colorado mountain lion hunt. Yeah. And this was back first week of December and, and my outfitter and friend, uh, Wayne Pinnell, he, he walks into the kitchen. We're having coffee before we head out for the day and slams down the newspaper. And it says wolves need Colorado. Colorado needs wolves. And he hands this to me. He says, this is the BS we have to deal with in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it, and it was largely backed, uh, I think by the Sierra club. And they've declined 
many interview requests from me to, to talk about it. Shocker. But here's the curveball. I'm a bit shocked and, and about you that. You can tell me if this is true or not, <laughs> Yeah. but I feel like it's a fair question because um, I've been made aware that Sierra Club funds or at least donates a lot of money to BHA. And I don't know if that's true or not. But Not true. Okay. I figured no. I at least. Not a penny. Okay. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Going back to the Wolves, though. Yeah. What is your take on that? Oh, boy. I So, most thi- there's no I'll simple. I'll tell you mine in a second. So, there's no, <laughs> there's no simple answer to it, I think, is the best way for me to. I, I, I live in an ecosystem where all of the native predators are still on the landscape. Sure. And I think there's a certain magic to that. I think that Absolutely. when you live in that ecosystem, when you live in an you ecosystem just, like that. We're going to have the first grizzly hunt since the 1970s. We're getting ready. Well, we're, it's going to be a year yet, but eventually we're going to have it. And yeah. I think that's a magic thing to live awesome. in an ecosystem that is healthy enough to support that. Mm-hmm. Um, and BHA does not have a, we don't have a wolf position. We're pro wolf hunt. Uh, the, the hunt that is taking place or the, you know, the hunting seasons that are taking place in Montana. Now we're pro that we think they should be managed just like any other wildlife should be managed. Mm -hmm. Um, me personally, I, I have a lot of trepidation about wolf reintroductions and their potential impacts to big game herds. Totally get that. Um, and at the same time I hunt in places where there's this magical connection to a big ecosystem that has everything present there. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's easy and, but BHA doesn't have a position on it. So, right. right. Well, my position and you didn't ask, but I'll give it to you. Yeah. Uh, is that hunting is conservation. Mm-hmm. The more hunters we have, the more conservation we have, the more wolves we have, the less hunters we're going to have. Mm-hmm. That's my position. Mm-hmm. Colorado has, Oh my God, they have amazing herds mm-hmm. of ungulates there. Yeah, t- tons of elk. They're elk herd. Yeah. It's one of the, I mean, if you want to go over the counter elk hunting, say you don't draw, I put in for, I put in for New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, I put in for all these states. Mm-hmm. Odds are I'm not going to draw. Mm-hmm. So every year my fallback plan is over the counter in Colorado. Colorado yeah. Mm-hmm. And if those wolves are reintroduced there, we've seen it in Idaho. Mm-hmm. We've seen when Yellowstone, when wolves were reintroduced in 95, whatever, Yellowstone had 20,000 elk. Now they have 4,000. Mm-hmm. There's other factors in there, but it's by and large. I mean, wolves are a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And so when I see these crazy things, for me, it's crazy. Because, they just, they uh, just counted 11,000 on that herd, by the way. But 11? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's... that's an They're coming back. Good. Good, good. Um, but when I see that, you know, it goes back to, do we want more hunters or less hunters? Mm-hmm. Because if we have more wolves, somehow we're going to have less hunters, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So. That's why when I see that kind of crap, I'm just like, kind of yeah, crazy. I think we, you know, hunting has been in decline wolves, for a few that's years. The other thing. You know, I, I need to make that yeah. abundantly clear. Yeah. Wolves are awesome. Yeah. They're so cool. Yeah. They're maybe one of the cool, maybe the coolest with their pack structure and everything else. And the fact that they are so good at what they do, which is killing. Yeah. Um, they're badass. Yeah. But yeah. there's too many of them. Yeah. And I, and I think um, I completely agree that we need, we don't need things that, limit reduce hunting opportunity mm-hmm. um you know i guess yeah i'm not trying to segue out of that because i don't sure. i don't think i mean you and i we're, we're going to agree on almost all of that stuff we're not going to solve it but what we do agree on is that you know we want more hunters we want more access yeah. um and 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 things like working on public lands access um i mean that's where we're we, we really don't delve into those kind of sure. divisive things i mean if we if we if we have to take a uh, position on it we will and like i said we're certainly pro wolf hunt um we're just all about increasing access so. absolutely absolutely what about the upcoming bha rendezvous in april that is a fun fun few days right there um i've been to it's an, open to anybody or? it is uh 
that you can go on backcountryhunters.org. You can um, register for that. Um, there's tickets to be bought. There's three days of, you know, some honestly pretty fun um, activities. There's storytelling. Um, there's a, there's a brew fest. There's cooking events. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff. It's in Boise, April 10th through the 14th, I believe, or 10th through the 13th. It's that weekend. Hank Shaw, <clears throat> Stephen Ranella, Randy Newberg, Callahan, uh, Ben O'Brien, uh, all, you know, all guys that are either associated on our board. Um, yeah, there'll be um, some fun folks there. Awesome, awesome. And that, so that's April 10th through the 14th. Yeah. And folks can find it at backcountryhunters.org. And if you want to give us uh, social media outlets for well, you personally, if people want to follow along in your outdoor adventures. Oh, sure. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, just Ryan underscore Bussy, B-U-S-S-E. Um, you can uh, fo- certainly follow Backcountry Hunters. Got an awesome Instagram page and Facebook page. So, um, yeah, follow along and um, see our adventures or my misadventures, I guess. <laughs> right on. Yeah, go check out uh, Texas Backcountry Hunters in English as well. Yeah, absolutely. Facebook, Texas underscore BHA is our Instagram handle. Yeah, awesome, um, awesome. Keep up to date on local events. Yeah, great bunch of guys. Sir. And we appreciate Jeff, uh, certainly, for coming back and, and for getting you over here. Yeah, thank uh, you. And, and for helping put on the, uh, the pint night. Absolutely, man. So he's very involved. Uh, with the Texas chapter, and we'll certainly miss you when you move up to Idaho. No, I'll be back. Don't worry about <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> and, and Ryan, we certainly appreciate you dropping by the studio. Thanks, as well. man. It's been great to meet you and be on here. Likewise. So there you have it, Ryan Bussey, uh, national chairman of the board for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Also, our buddy Jeff Bynum. Uh, man, those are some pretty pointed relevations about uh, President Trump and his administration. Uh, I, I hate hearing that as someone who voted for Trump gladly and, and proudly. Uh, I thought he was a, you know, a great candidate and, quite frankly, the lesser of two evils. Um, but I backed him wholeheartedly, and and I will again. Um, I hope he, he has two terms. I'm still on the Trump train, but he needs to step up his game regarding our public lands, in my opinion. And, you know, calling out the president might rub some people the wrong way. But I think that we can still be a champion for a candidate and disagree with some of their policy. So uh, Trump train, I'm still on it, baby. There's no doubt about that. But we had to talk about this today. Uh, That segment, by the way, brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and their new hog light. You set it up right there with your 600 or 300 pound stand and fill. You don't need a thermal. You don't need night vision. You are ready to rock and roll with just the hog light. You can find it on their website, allseasonsfeeders.com. Unfortunately, just looking at the clock here, we've got to go. Got to get out of here. Flat out of time. Thanks to all of our guests today. Of course, Dr. Sean Baker and uh, his contribution discussing the carnivore diet. And also Ryan Bussey and Jeff Bynum from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. We'll do it again. Same time, same place next week. Uh, Ryan Callahan from First Light will drop by, so you'll want to tune in for that, among other things. Uh, Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Nobody can